Okay, we're on page 484 in the stone, Parshas Kisisa. Just uh, quickly a review again of the overview of the Parsha, and then we'll delve into the few psukim that we're going to analyze together this morning. So uh, last week's Parsha ended up with the, we went through the big day kahuna, the Parsha ended with the, um, the Mizbeach, uh, Akitoras, which the uh, the golden Mizbeach, where the Ketoras, where the incense was offered, mentioned that it's a question why we saw an answer, but why a parsha that focuses on the big day kahuna, why does it end with the kalim? You'd expect all of the kalim, this last kli, to be listed in parsha's truma with the other kalim. But anyway, we begin this week's parsha with the census, the obligation of everyone to participate in giving a coin to redeem themselves, a half a coin, and that was the way that they counted the Jewish people. Uh, the census was done. Why half a coin? Why not a whole coin? Mathematically, it would have been much easier to uh, calculate how many people there are if everyone gave a whole coin. Why a half a coin? What? You never complete. The other half. The message is that nobody ever contributes a whole. Person needs to realize that they are only a half. They're only a portion, and they only uh, are able to complement or supplement the others. But they're not a whole onto themselves. Nobody is wholly responsible, entirely responsible for a mishkan, for a building, for a contribution. But it's a partnership. It's a partnership that is required, and that's expressed through the machatzis shekel, through the uh, the half a shekel. So these were all gifts. The monies were used for the public needs, public funds, carbonate sibor, and uh, so on. Next, the parsha tells us about the building of the kior, another one of the. Uh, Utensils, which again, it's unusual. Why is it here? One would expect it to be in Parshas Truma. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, when it lists all the utensils in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle, why is it reserved for here? Again, if you're sensitive to the text, to the themes of the Parshios, of the narrative, then you have to ask, why was it not included there? And why specifically was it inserted here? What does it add to the construct, to the themes of Parshas Kisisa? What was the Kior, the Lavern, what was it made out of? Mirrors. mirrors. The bottom was made out of copper. What was the bottom made out of? The mirrors. Who donated those mirrors? The women. The women. The women donated those mirrors. They were the very mirrors that they beautified themselves with to attract themselves, to be attractive to their husbands. Because in Mitzrayim, when the husbands wanted to give up, when the husbands had despair, they were despondent about any future, about any hope. They didn't want to bring children into this bleak world. It was the women who maintained their faith. The women who maintained a certain sense of vision, and uh, that vision um, was expressed through the mirrors they used to beautify themselves, to seduce their husbands, and because it takes a lot of faith to bring a child into the world. So why was it brought here? Why? Was why uh, I give you the questions. I'm, I'm not responsible for the answers necessarily. Okay. Next we have the uh, the anointment oil. Next is the anointment oil, the oil that's used uh, to anoint the. Uh, and there's a lot of significance in that, though we can't really relate to that. You have the Ketoros, you have the incense itself. Betzalel and Aliyah are chosen. Betzalel is the architect of the Mishkan. He's a very young man at this point. What the significance of that is. And then we have the section we're going to deal with, which is Shabbos. Shabbos has already been given to the Jewish people. It's been given to the Jewish people a couple of times. It was given to the Jewish people at Marah. It was given to the Jewish people at Harsinai. And now again we see the commandment of Shabbos. Moshe receives the two tablets. He comes down from the mountain. He's a little delayed according to the calculation of the people. And they have, so in the meantime, in the interim, they've built a Egel Azov, a golden calf. Akash Baruch was furious. Moshe pleads on their behalf. Something very peculiar. God says he's furious at his people because they're an Am Kesheorah. What a stubborn, stiff-necked, miserable, noxious people. 
And what is Moshe's argument? His plea to God? You need to forgive this people because they're an Am Kishay Oref. What kind of argument is that? He's using the very liability, the very thing that God saw as a liability, Moshe is using as a virtue in arguing why he should forgive the people. So there's a lot to say about that, but we're not going to say it this morning. Moshe descends from the mountain. We know he smashes the tablets. He dobbins for the people. Hashem forgives them. And uh, he goes up for a second. Moshe pleads for God's nearness. And uh, so on and so forth. The end of the parsha. Second set of luchos. Kosh reveals his 13 attributes. Where 13 attributes of his mercy and compassion. That if we invoke those 13 attributes, it's as if God can't help but forgive us. It's much more complicated than that. And uh, then we have the promise that Kosh is going to uh, safeguard and keep and renewal of the covenant. Okay, that's all Parsha's Kisis and an overview. It's an action-packed, long Parsha with so much to talk about in so many detailed ways. It's really uh, fantastic. So we are just going to choose a small section this morning, and that is Perak Lamed Aleph, chapter 31, verse Yud Beis, verse 12. We're going to deal with the few verses that talk about Shabbos. The few verses that talk about Shabbos. Okay, everyone out of the place? It's page 490 in the Stone Chumash. Yeah? We good? Anybody here? Anyone awake? Any pulse? Okay, good. If good means not necessarily there is one, but I'm going to go ahead anyway. So let's read the few psukim and then we'll go back and begin to ask our questions again. Our focus is uh, text-based, is analytical, is trying to delve into, as the commentators do, when you read the psukim, not just to have them gloss over you, not to look for a cute vort, but to be sensitive to the text, the nuances in the text that can help give us a deeper understanding. God spoke to Moshe saying, And you, speak to the Jewish people saying, Ach, as Shabsosai Tishmoru. Translate, ach. However, but only, observe Shabbos. It is a sign, it is a symbol, it is a covenant between me and you for generations. What is it a symbol of? Ladas, to know, that I am God who sanctifies you. I am God who is the source of your holiness. Safeguard, keep, observe the Shabbos. It is sacred to you. Those who profane it, who violate it, most you must. They shall surely die. Somebody who does malacha, who violates, does creative labor, will suffer karis, their soul will be excised, will be cut off from among the nation. Six days, do work. Day 7 is a Shabbos Shabbason. It is wholly consecrated to God. Whoever does work, creative labor, on that day will surely die. We shall keep the Shabbos. To make Shabbos, to create Shabbos for generations as a bris olam, as a covenant forever. God says, between me and the Jewish people, it is a sign, it is a symbol forever. Six days God created the heavens and the earth. On day seven, He ceased and He rested. 
Okay, that's the end of the section. Then the Torah goes on. Vayitain El Moshe Kechalosod Daberito Bar Sinai Shnei Lupos. God gave the two tablets and the episode of the Cheta Egel. So this is inserted here, seemingly out of nowhere. What's the flow? What's the context? Why is this section here? But uh, oh, okay. So hold on, hold on to the answers. That's the overall question. The overall question you have to ask is, what's this doing here? You just went from telling me about the Big Day Kuhuna and all about the utensils for the Mishkan and now you told me about the Ketoras right beforehand and you designate Betzalel to be the architect. You gave Betzalel the construction job of the Mishkan and now out of nowhere you have Shabbos. That's the overarching question. But let's go through what are some of the more detailed questions. What bothers you about this narrative? Again, if you're reading it with a sensitivity to the nuance of the text as our commentators did, what bothers you? It's easy to just say, oh, okay, it's, a, it's a, about Shabbos, it's juxtaposing Shabbos with the Mishkan, we'll get to it in a second, Phil's correct. But what bo- anything bother you about the text? Good, let's start from the beginning. Vayomer Hashem HaMoshe Lemor. You could start from Vayomer. Vayomer is kind of peculiar. Usually it's Vayidaber Hashem HaMoshe Lemor. Not Vayomer. Why the usage of Vayomer? But furthermore, Pasuk Yid verse 13, Who else? God's in the middle of speaking to Moshe, and He says, And you... Speak to the Jewish... What do you mean, and you? Moshe doesn't know the routine by now? He hasn't picked up on the pattern of the routine? God calls him, he tells him something, and then it's obvious that he wants him to relay it to the people, to communicate it to the people. Why the viata and you? Daber al-Bnei Yisrael speak saying. Next. Ach. What is ach? What does ach come to add? It could have easily said, Shabsosai tishmoru. Observe Shabbos. What's ach? ach? Ach is contrasting it to something else. Well, what's it contrasting to? Iker chaser menasefer, the main thing's missing. When you contrast or juxtapose two things, we normally list them both, and then we create the contrast. Here, ach, there's just an ach, however, but there's no contrast to what it is. Hello, no, no answers yet, no answers yet. We're just okay. listing all the questions for now. Sorry. What's next? Shabbatai, how many Shabbatai? Oh, Shabbatai. Shabbatai means, my in plural, my many Shabbases. What do you keep my many Shabbases? How many Shabbases does God have? Tuesday, Thursday, Shabbos? Shabbatai. Why? It should say, Shabbos, Tishmor. Keep Shabbos. What do you mean, Shabbatai, the many? Kiosi, it's a sign. And that's, and that's singular. Right, Os is now a sign, it's singular. And os is a sign of what? What is Shabbos a sign of exactly? How is a function as a sign? To know that I am God. How does Shabbos cause you to know? How when you keep Shabbos do you know? By the way, notice what it doesn't do. Tell you how to keep Shabbos. Right. Right. Emphasis on Shabbos, the importance of Shabbos, the priority of Shabbos, the primacy of Shabbos. Don't violate it, you'll die, you'll be spiritually excised from the people. Just keep it, it's a sign, it's a symbol, it's a covenant. It's co- well, what is it? How do you keep it? Ushmartem as a Shabbos. Safeguard the Shabbos. By the way, notice the shift again. Shabbososai is the many Shabboses to keep the Shabbos. Because it is Kodesh for you. Mechaleleha. What's the root of that word Mechaleleha? What does it mean? What does Chilul mean? So we'll get to that. Most you must. Why the redundancy? Just say whoever violates it, Mechaleleha, Yamus, will die. Why most? A death, they will die. Is there something else that you die? You don't die a life. A death, they will die. Most, you must. Why the redundancy? 
Whoever does malacha on it will suffer karis. Six days do work. Why are you calling it Yom HaShvi'i? Until now we've called it Shabbos. Say six days do work. And on Shabbos it's Kodesh Lashem. Why is it called Yom HaShvi'i here, whereas until now we've been calling it Shabbos? And what is this Shabbat? What is this seventh day? It is Shabbos Shabbason. Again, the redundancy. What is the Pasuk coming to air with the redundancy? Whoever does Malacha on it, again the redundancy, most you must. Now this is very peculiar, the next verse. Tazayin 16. Right, why, why, again the redundancy of most you must? And again, again it's a second time. But moreover, Vishamru, you just told me, Ushmartem Shabbos. Now you got to tell me again, Vishamru B'nai Yisrael Asa Shabbos? Is there a difference between the first time? You said Ushmartem Asa Shabbos, and now you say Vishamru B'nai Yisrael Asa Shabbos? This paragraph, of course, is very familiar to us. This paragraph we say it in Kiddush, we say it in Davani. But, and, and what does it mean? Again, Vishamru, keep... La'asos Asa Shabbos, to make... What do you mean to make Shabbos? Who makes Shabbos? We make it or God makes it. You just told me it was an os. Now you got to tell me again that it's a sign. Six days God created the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day, vayina fash. Even vayina fash is a peculiar word, because what's the root of the word vayina fash? We know from Kiddush, we know to translate it as six days God created the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day He rested. That's not really what vayina fash means. On the seventh day, shavas, shavas means He stopped abruptly. He ceased. He stopped. And what did he do? Vayinafash. What does Vayinafash mean? Look at the Unklus. Unklus translates as Shvas Venach. Unklus translates as Vayinafash means he rested. But what is, that's not what the word says. Of course we should translate and we should understand it to mean he rested. But obviously God chose to use the word Vayinafash whose root is Nefesh to teach us something more. Oh, okay. Maybe. So there you see, the, how many questions did we list? <coughs> Maybe ten questions. This is a short section of just a few verses. And again, if you're reading, that's the whole point of this class. If you're reading the text critically, analytically, if you're reading it with sensitivity, then you'll come up easily. We didn't ask any intricate detail. You don't need to be a great scholar to ask any of the questions we asked. All you have to do is read closely and you'll be bothered by these questions. Why the use of this word? Why the plural? Why the repetition? Why the redundancy? Why the order? Why the... All of these things should teach us sensitivity which will allow you to extrapolate very beautiful depth of the section. Yes? There's another one. It says, I don't know if you mentioned it or not, there's nichreta, a nefesh, and then it says motyumat. It's two different Right. So which is the punishment? Most you must or karis? What? If you get a soul, you get warning, you get the... Oh, okay. If you don't, you get the... Good. Words. But it seems, at least on the surface, to be redundant. Or to be... Which is, which is the punishment? Okay, so let's start from the beginning. There's a lot of questions and there's a lot of answers. And we're not going to get through all the answers. But the goal of this class is to teach you how to ask the questions. Okay. Look at Rashi. Pasuket Gimel. V'yata daber al b'nei Yisrael. V'yata af api sh'ifkaratich al-tzavusam amalachas ha-mishkan. So Rashi was bothered by the question of Viata. He answers, even though God's talking to Moshe, even though if God I have appointed you to command them to build the Mishkan, I told you 
to tell them that the time has come to construct a Mishkan. Al Don't let it be light in your eyes. Don't be lenient. Don't diminish. To think that that charge of building the tabernacle is so important that it overrides and supersedes the observance of Shabbos. So why, what is Rashi, Rashi, again, the brilliance of Rashi, he didn't phrase it as question and answer. He gives commentary, and he leaves it up to us to figure out what was bothering him that led to give that commentary. But clearly Rashi was bothered by the unusual usage of viata. Here it's a little more explicit even, because the first thing Rashi says is viata. He's telling us what bothered him was viata. And how is he answering it? Because God is saying to Moshe, you're the very person that I told command the Jewish people to build a tabernacle. I imbued within you the significance, the priority of the Mishkan. And the danger was, therefore, that you are going to be so committed to building the Mishkan, it's going to be at all costs. Because I empowered you to charge them with building the Mishkan. So the same you, the same viata that I told to build the Mishkan, viata, I'm also telling you, tell them, don't compromise Shabbos in the process. Be careful. That also answers the question of Ah. Oh, that also answers Ach, which we'll get to in a second, that that's the contrast of Ach. And, and if you look at the Sif Seichachamim, the super commentary on Rashi in Oshei, he says, the Rashi, Rashi, in this very comment, Rashi was bothered by two questions. Number one was Viata. Why is God saying to Moshe, and you? Moshe knows that God wants him to do it. That's the pattern. That's, their, that's what they do. That's their routine. And the second thing that was bothering him is, what's this doing here? You just finished telling me about the incense of the Ketoros. You're about to tell me the story of the Chet Ego. What in the world is this doing here? So Rashi explains. Because it's contrasted with the building of the Mishkan. That God told Moshe, build a Mishkan, it's priority number one. We're doing a capital campaign, we're finishing the campus, we're building a Mishkan. But, even though you are so committed to doing that right now, don't be blinded to the other priorities. Don't run them over. Make sure that you are not violating Shabbos in the process. That's what was bothering Rashi. Yes. There's a comma in English, and I don't think it's really is instructive. Yes. Because, you know, why couldn't we just say, now you build, in other words, I don't think the emphasis is on the verb, on the now. I mean, all right, it's not going to get there. Not the Atal, you're on the verb, and yeah. you. I mean, when the now part seems to be more important than the you part. Okay, great. So, so. You're making a great point. Maybe what was bothering Rashi was not even just the ata, but ve'ata, and you. And the vav achibor, that vav, connects it to the section previously, which is why Rashi saw it as sending a message of contrast with the Mishkan. Beautiful, great point. Thank you for sharing it. Look at the next comment of Rashi. It continues with the same theme. Ach es shavsosai tishmoru. As Sarah just pointed out the ach. Even though you will be acting with alacrity, zeal, and enthusiasm in pursuing the construction of the Mishkan, make sure Shabbos doesn't get swept to the side, doesn't get violated or lost in the process. And Rashi is quoting a principle. Gemara and Rosh Hashanah tells us that whenever you see the Torah use the term Ach, or use the term rak. Either, ta- either time, kol achen verakin. The term ach or rak, it comes to be mimai. It comes to exclude. Great. So what's the exclusion here? So Rashi says the exclusion is lamait Shabbos mimalachas mishkan to say that Shabbos is a time out from the building of the mishkan. You don't work on Shabbos. No construction on Shabbos. 
Now too, you're doing construction on your house, no construction on Shabbos. Shabbos supersedes whatever great thing that you're doing. So, um, so that's how Rashi interprets it. That explains the ve and the Yata, and that also explains the Ach. Others see the Ach as creating a mute, an exclusion, a contrast, but not for the same thing Rashi does, but for something else. For example, look at the Ramban. The Ramban quotes Rashi and disagrees. First thing the Ramban Ahmadis does is he quotes Rashi. But it doesn't make sense to me, says the Ramban. I don't buy it. It doesn't make sense, says the Ramban. If Ach here was functioning as an exclusion, it wouldn't exclude building the Mishkan for the sake of the observance of Shabbos. It would exclude the observance of Shabbos for the sake of building the Mishkan. Because if you're trying to create an exception, you create the exception within the rule. And here the context is Shabbos. So if within Shabbos it said, uh, within, sorry, in the Mishkan it said, Ach, I would understand. Build the Mishkan, Ach, however, don't do it on Shabbos. But here it's saying, Ach, Shabbos. Keep Shabbos, however, so it seems to be setting up the exclusion that there are things that you're exempt from on Shabbos. You understand what I'm saying? Notice, everyone agrees that the term Ach is creating an exclusion, an exception. Creating a contrast. The question is, what's the exception? Rashi said the exception is, all that Mishkan building that you do, it's fantastic. Ach, however, Shabbos don't do it on Shabbos. The Ramban says, no, then the Ach should be in, listed within the narrative about the building of the Mishkan. The fact that it finds itself within Shabbos is teaching you something different, which is, Shabbos, Shabbos keep Shabbos. Ach, however, there are times that you're exempt from keeping Shabbos. So what's that talking about? No, this miyot, this exception is teaching you something different. Lamila, that when, when uh, circumcision comes in conflict with Shabbos, which supersedes, what do you do? You do the bris milah. Again, only under certain circumstances. It can't, you don't do a, a bris milah does not supersede Shabbos if the baby is born through a C-section or if the baby was, if the baby was conceived using IVF believe it or not or if it's a or if it's a in vitro fertilization or if it's a mila shalobazmana meaning the baby it's not the eighth day the baby was sick and it's delayed so there are times when mila is not tocha Shabbos many times where mila does not supersede Shabbos however for the most part we'll get to that when we get to Parshas Tazria because it says Isha ki Tazria v'yalda zachar and then it gets into Shabbos so we learn it's Isha ki Tazria when a woman conceives naturally and regularly Vialda and gives birth in a natural way then it supersedes Shabbos so the Talmud learns exceptions if it's a C-section so that it's not a natural birth then it doesn't supersede Shabbos if it's IVF according to Poskim because she's not conceived naturally it's not conceived within the body then that also doesn't supersede Shabbos so there are exceptions but that's not our point the Ramban's point is the Ach the exception is not an exception in the construction of the Mishkan for Shabbos it's an exception in Shabbos ah when is Shabbos set aside for doing a Mila oh lepikuach nefesh or if Shabbos comes in conflict with saving life 
Or other examples where Shabbos comes in conflict and we know that there are times that you set aside Shabbos. The Ramban is getting this from, He's not getting it from this verse. What he's getting from this verse is that Keep Shabbos. Ah, however, there are things that you set Shabbos aside for. How does he know what those things are? He learns from other verses. That we'll get to later. Like I said, Pasha's Tazria, Pikuach Nefesh we get to. Then we have a problem of why is it that Shabbos is here right after Mishkan? Oh, so the Ramban has to deal with what is Shabbos doing here. Good point. The Ramban still has to deal with the fact that he disagrees with Rashi, then he's got to explain why Shabbos is here. Good point. So Again, he's using his argument how the verse should have been constructed if indeed it was saying what Rashi sang. He learned something different. Now he's dealing with the second question. We asked another question, which was, why the plural? Should have said, Shabbos Tishmor. Why does it say... Are you in the Ramban? I'm in the Ramban, in the second paragraph of the Ramban. Why does it say Shabbos in the plural? So the Ramban gives an answer. It's corresponding to the two aspects, the two elements of Shabbos. Shamor v'zachor. Zachor v'shamor. What does that mean? There are two elements of Shabbos. There are the things that we don't do on Shabbos. We distinguish Shabbos from the rest of the week in two ways. One way we distinguish it from the rest of the week are the things that we refrain from doing. We don't use electricity. We don't, uh, we don't do the 39 acts of creative labor. We don't go about our normal business. We rest. We are at peace with the natural world. And therefore, we set Shabbos aside. We distinguish it through the things that we don't do. That's Shamor. That's observing Shabbos. And there's a second aspect of Shabbos. It's not enough to not do. A person would not a person would not adequately be keeping Shabbos if they sat in their leather recliner not doing malacha. Would they technically be Shomer Shabbos? Sure. They're not using electricity, they're not sorting or selecting, and they're not grinding, and they're not plowing, and they're not winnowing, and they're not Technically, they'd be Shomer Shabbos if you sat in a recliner doing nothing and stared, stared into space for 25 hours. But you'd only be keeping half of Shabbos. You'd only be keeping Shabbos. the Shamor. Zachor is Kiddush Avdala. You set Shabbos aside through the positive things that we do. You create bookends to distinguish it. We make Kiddush at the beginning of Shabbos and we make Avdallah at the end of Shabbos. And Zachor is also expressed in many more significant ways. Zachor is the beauty of Shabbos. Zachor is the enrichment, the uplifting, the elevation, this, the beauty of Shabbos. And I would say, I'll just give my editorial comment for a moment, I'll take the liberty, that our children and we collectively are having a growing apathy towards Shabbos because we have done a disservice by focusing almost exclusively on the Shamor and way too little on the Zachor. We know we have a growing problem of children, I mention this often, of teenagers who now keep, there's a new term, I like to teach you the new terms, like bageling. So there's a new term, you ask a kid, are you Shomer Shabbos? Kids ask each other, and they meet a kid in camp, or they meet a kid on a trip, they'll say, you keep Shabbos? They say, I keep half Shabbos. What is half Shabbos? What does the term half Shabbos mean for a teenager? It means I do everything 
but I text message on Shabbos. That's what half Shabbos means. This is a growing, growing problem, and it's not a book or a tone problem. I was listening to a shir from Brooklyn with a rabbi who was connected to the Beis Yaakov of Brooklyn was bemoaning the fact that it is a growing problem in the Beis Yaakov and Borough Park. So the notion of kids, the notion of kids, anyone sitting here who has a teenager is not shocked and everybody else is falling off the chair. Anyway, I don't want to get too distracted by this. Guys, shh, I don't want to get too distracted by this. But there's a growing, a growing problem of children who keep Shabbos, so to say, but they call it half Shabbos because they also text message on Shabbos. Why that is, I have a whole theory, it's a whole separate subject, it's a whole separate topic, I don't want to get into. But my only point is that the Ramban is pointing out, Shabsosai Tishmoru. Don't forget to keep both aspects of my Shabbos. It's a beautiful Ramban. If you tell your kid, you know what Shabbos is about? You can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do the other thing and you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't go to the beach and you can't go to the mall, you can't turn on electricity, you can't play your video game, you can't text messages, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. <laughs> is your kid going to grow up loving Shabbos? No. That's all Shamor. Don't only observe the Shamor. Shabsosai, there's plural aspect of Shabbos. Don't forget the Zachor, the beauty, the magnificence, being uplifted, the sanctity sit around the table, have a great conversation, play a board game, ex- exchange divrei Torah, sing Zmiros, get on the floor and spend quality time together. Figure out ways that your kid says, you know, I, I do things on Shabbos I never get to do with my parents or family during the week. Don't forget the Zachor. That's a magnificent insight of the Ramban. That's why it's Shabbos Osai, that's why it's plural. Because there are two aspects. There's a Shamor aspect and a Zachor aspect. Va'amar Bishneim, continuing in the Ramban, that God says about both of these aspects, Kiosi, that both of them are a sign and a symbol. Shehi beinei uveineichem ladaas. Both serve as the sign, the covenant between me and you to know. Someone who doesn't keep Shabbos and therefore is not committed. Again, we're not talking about somebody who is ignorant, someone who is never educated in the ways of Shabbos, God forbid. We're talking about somebody who knows Shabbos and chooses to rebel by not keeping Shabbos. The, the punishment is karis. Why says the Ramban? Because Shabbos, embracing Shabbos is to embrace emulating God, spend quality time with God, to further a relationship with God. To dismiss that, so God says, you dismiss me, Karis, I dismiss you. What happens after we die? Our soul returns to God. Again, there's a lot to talk about Jewish Judaism and the afterlife, we're not spending the time now. But our soul originally came from God, He is the source. God places our soul in our body for a tiny fraction of time, 70, 80, 90, 120 years if we're lucky, which is a sliver of time in, in the context of eternity. And then the soul is extracted from the body and returns to God, where we get the ultimate ecstasy and joy once again. So God says, you don't want to spend time with me when you're on earth, Shabbos, then you get karis. When you die, you don't come back upstairs to me, I don't want to spend time with you. In other words, one needs to read all the punishments in the Torah as not punitive in nature, but as reciprocal in nature. God's relationship with us is a mirror image of our relationship with Him. When we take initiative and show a desire to experience time with Him, to have intimacy with Him, to have closeness with Him, to welcome Him into our life, then God says, I want to welcome you into mine. 
When we cut God out and dismiss Him and neglect Him, then God says, I'm cutting you out. Karis. So the Ramban again, another brilliant comment, is Karis is not a punishment. It's not, you got to do what I said to do because I said so, and if you don't do it, I'm taking your cell phone away. Karis. No. God is saying it's a reciprocal relationship. It's very simple. You don't want to spend time with me. It's like a parent who says, I took the day off from work. I've turned off my Blackberry or iPhone. I've set everything aside and I'm spending the day with you. And the kid looks up at the dad and says, that's nice, but I've got no interest. I'm getting together with a buddy. I'd rather play on my Xbox. I'm going somewhere else. So the parent says, okay, you don't want to spend time with me, so I'm not setting aside time anymore. So that's that's Karis. The seventh day is Shabbat Shabbason because it is the source, it is the foundation of the world. The day is a sign and Shabbos is a covenant forever. So where is the... God created six days and on the seventh day Shabbos he stopped? And we said rested. The English translated as Nach, he rested. But we know the root is Nefesh. So what's the Torah hinting to? So the Ramban tells us what it's telling us. Shabbos we get what's called the Neshama Yisera. Shabbos we have an extra Neshama. It comes during the acceptance of Shabbos. It leaves us during Havdalah. We actually, it's sad to leave. Part of the reason that we have the process of Havdalah with the pleasant fragrance of the spice is because our, we're so saddened to say goodbye to our Neshama Yisera, we have to brighten our spirits. That's part of why we say Havdalah. But we get in Neshama Yisera. Our soul is expanded. Our soul is elevated. Our soul has this additional quality on Shabbos if we're keeping Shabbos properly. So that's Vayina Fash. Yom Ashvi Shabbos. If on the seventh day you stop, says the Ramban, then Vayina Fash, then you'll feel your soul. In other words, the whole week long, what is the Ramban really saying? I'm in such trouble because I had six million things I wanted to do. But the Ramban alone is one Ramban was worth it. What is the Ramban really saying? It says six days we are consumed with conquest. God told man, creates man and he says, Go and fill the world and conquer it. Conquer the world. God says, I want you to create a space program and get to the highest levels of space. I want you to create a system and go to the deepest levels of the sea. I want you to study chemistry and biology and physics. I want you to master my universe. I want you to make technological advancement, medical advancement. I want you to rule my natural world. I've given it to you, says God, Vikivshua. Go conquer it. Go master it. Go manipulate it. It's yours. And that's what we do. We spend our weekdays pursuing the mastery and the manipulation of God's natural world. And in the in the in the process of doing that our soul gets somewhat neglected our soul is not being fed and nourished because we're spending that six day week pursuing the natural world the material world the physical world and conquering God says on that seventh day leave the natural world alone that's what I did I created six days and then I was cool with it I let it go God says on the seventh day leave the natural world alone don't manipulate it don't master it Don't be sovereign over it. Just leave it be. 
be at peace with your natural world. And that's the source of all the creative labors. All 39 categories of creative labor are masteries over nature that we stop exhibiting for that time. And what's the result of it? That's the Ramban's giving us the beautiful interpretation, which should change the way you'll say Kiddush from now on. Yom HaShvi'i Shavas, on the seventh day, stop. And if you can stop, stop pursuing knowledge and scholarship and mastering the world and technological advancement and getting more money and earning more in a bigger house and a nicer car and going to the workout in the gym. And the, stop with all the physical pursuits. And what you'll discover is Vayinafash. Is your nefesh. You will discover and rediscover and reinvigorate and you will nourish and you will expand your nefesh, your soul. So this Ramban alone, if all we did today was this Ramban, it was a fantastic Ramban. And the Ramban here covered so many of the questions that we had. Why ach? What's the contrast? He says it's to tell you that Shabbos, there are exceptions when you don't keep Shabbos. And why Shabbos Asai? Why the plural said the Ramban? Because there are two aspects to Shabbos. Don't only keep the negative, the Shamur. Don't forget to keep the Zahur. Shabsosai Tishmoru. Keep both aspects of my Shabbos. Not only what you can't do, talk about what Shabbos is, what you must do. And then finally, if you do that, and then sorry, the next thing he told us is, the punishment is kares. It's not a punishment, it's not punitive. It's reciprocal. God says, you don't want to spend time with me once a week, I don't want to spend time with you in the afterworld. Best of luck to you, you're not coming back upstairs. And then finally, Shabbos vayinafash. He gave us the taich, he gave us the understanding of vayinafash is, keep Shabbos properly, you'll discover your nefesh, you'll discover your neshama, you'll discover your soul. Okay, that's the Ramban. But we still have all of our questions. I want to see different answers. Those were the Ramban set of answers and many others. Jonathan. Yeah, I guess we should mention that while we're refraining from the Lechet Hanishkan, we have the Kabotas Hanishkan is in full place. Oh, that's, excellent. That's a positive force that, you know, bringing Kabotas and all that other stuff is going on even though we're not doing the Good, so look at the Balaturim. The Balaturim and Pasuk Yud Gimel, Jonathan's pointing out, Ach hashab sosai tishmoru, Rav Yaakov ben Asher, the Balaturim. Ach miut. He to everyone, Rashi, the Ramban, the Balaturim, everyone is going to be sensitive to the word Ach. What's it doing here? However, what do you mean however? You weren't in the middle of saying something. Imagine I walk up to you and I say, However, <laughs> so however what? We're not in the middle of a conversation. So everyone here is sensitive to ach. So lemait, like the Ramban, pikuach nefesh, one thing that Exclusive. Shabbos we, we, uh, is an exception to Shabbos is saving a life. And a second thing that Jonathan just pointed out is korbanos tzibur, the communal sacrifices. We talked about last week. The korban tamid, the daily sacrifice was offered on Shabbos. Shabbos is set aside for the observance of the Korban Sibur. So you're right, the construction of the Mishkan is halted for Shabbos, but the activities within the Mishkan remain even on, even on Shabbos. How can we talk about activities when they didn't build it? Oh, we're not up to, you're right, we're not talking about the activities yet, but knowing later that the activities are Tochet, we mention it now. Doesn't Shabbos also include the extension for Yom Tov as well? Also, El Yom yes. Yom Correct. Yeah. It's true, it's true as well, yes. Oh, absolutely. All of our life is... I, I spoke about this a couple weeks ago in Shul when I talked about um, you know, Disney not being the real happiest place on earth. That our whole mandate for living is to be, like, is to be God-like. And the, most, the greatest way we can be God-like is by doing good. And that's why doing good gives us the greatest source of genuine happiness. 
And that's why I talked about people who are depressed, if somebody's down, that one of the biggest modes of therapy is to volunteer, is to give, is to do. That brings happiness. And the whole Rambam, in Hilchas Purim, Hilchas Megillah, that if you have a choice, you have limited funds, they allocate them to Mishloch Manos, they allocate them to Matanas Davionim. They allocate them, you have a nicer bottle of wine, a fancier single malt scotch, more impressive Shalach Manos, or do you give more to charity? And the Rambam says, what do you mean? The day's all about happiness. So if it's about happiness, give more to charity because that brings you the greatest happiness. And the Rambam concluded, and why does that bring you the greatest happiness? Because you're Doma Lashchina. Because then you're like God. And nothing could make you happier. Nothing, not happy is the wrong word. Nothing can bring more satisfaction, fulfillment, and joy than being like God. So anyway, the, the Ramban, what's the os? What's the symbol? So look at Rashi. How is Shabbos a symbol of our relationship? So Rashi says, Ki osi beiniu veineichem. Os gedolahi beineinu shebacharti bochem, baanchili lachem as yom menuchasi lamenucha. How is Shabbos a sign of our relationship with God? So Rashi says, you know what the symbol, what the sign is? It is evidence to everyone else that I chose you because I exclusively gave you Shabbos. I didn't give Shabbos to the rest of the world. Not only did I not give Shabbos to the rest of the world, Goy Shabbos, Chayev Misa. A Gentile, a non-Jew who observes Shabbos is liable to death, says the Talmud. A non-Jew is not allowed to keep Shabbos. You should know one of the hardest things for conversion candidates when they are in the process of conversion is that they may be living on the circle, they come to shul, they're keeping everything about Shabbos, they're davening, they're keeping kosher, they're doing everything. But until the day of their conversion, we force them to violate Shabbos. Turn on a light, write something down, do something that's a violation of Shabbos. They have to violate Shabbos. Why? Because it is an exclusive gift. It's an exclusive arrangement. God said, I gave Shabbos to the Jewish people, I gave it to nobody else. And in fact, if somebody else tries to keep Shabbos, there's a terrible punishment. Shabbos is exclusive. So Rashi is saying, that's the os. That's the sign. When the world sees that we keep Shabbos, they know that we alone were gifted it. We have a special intimate relationship with God that's not shared by anyone else. And that's the Ladas. The Pasuk had continued. It's a sign. Ladas, to know. Know what, says Rashi? So Rashi says, Ladas, the knowledge is, the non-Jews of the world will know that I, the source, I am God, and I gave you, the Jewish people, Shabbos exclusively. That's what Rashi says is the Os. The Rashbam, Rashi's grandson, Shmuel ben Meir, sees um, the Os, the sign is something else. Just in five, in six short words. She'atem shovsim kamosi, lefi she'atem ami. You are resting like me, because you're my people. Your imitation of me will show people, show me that it's a sign between us. In other words, for the Rashbam, the, the emphasis seems to be, you could read the Rashbam as saying the same thing as his grandfather. But I like to read the Rashbam a little bit differently. I think the Rashbam is saying, for Rashi the emphasis was what everyone else will see. The rest of the nations of the world see, I gave you Shabbos, they know I'm your, you're my people. Osi, it's a sign. For the Rashbam, the sign is between us. When you are going to seek to imitate me and rest on that seventh day as I did, that's a big compliment. After all, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. 
The oath is, it is flattering to me, says God, that you are willing and committed to imitate me. So that's the Rashbam's interpretation of what's the oath, of what is the sign, what is the symbol. The Sfarno also gives an interpretation, but the Sfarno sees it all the way at the end. I'm sorry, not the Sfarno, the Ibn Ezra. Rav Avram Ibn Ezra. In fact, he writes here on Kiosi, Besof Efarish Mahi Aus. At the end, I'll tell you what, I'm, what my opinion is. So let's skip to the end. Go to the Ibn Ezra on Pasuk Yud Zayin. The Ibn Ezra on Pasuk Yud Zayin, verse 17. Because here the Torah again uses the term Aus. It said, Keep my Shabbos, it's an Aus. And then again, Again, he said, Osi Beni of Sorry, he said, Beni of Ben Israel, Osi Liolam. So here the Ibn Ezra, Rav Ibn Ezra says, Uvamila Kasav Bris Gam Os. Where we see two other things are called an Os. Anyone know what they are? Mila is one. When is, when is a bris called an Os? No, those are wonders, but not mitzvahs. Two other mitzvahs are called. Bris Mila is called an Os, a sign. And Tfilin are called an Os, are called a sign. Which is why those who are learning Mishnah Buriyami. We don't wear tefillin on Shabbos because we already have the bris and Shabbos. You should always have two signs. We always have two witnesses to give the best testimony. The bris is a permanent witness for men. Shabbos is a witness once a week. When those two are in combination, you don't need tefillin, which is why we don't wear tefillin on Shabbos. Yantif as well is called an os. Pesach was called an os. All Yantif is learned from Pesach. Therefore, we don't wear tefillin on Yantif. Cholamoed that you have a debate. Is Cholamoid more Chol? Is it more Moed? So some wear Tefillin on Cholamoid, some don't wear Tefillin on Cholamoid. It's a Machlokas of the Rishonim, it's a Machlokas between the Machaber and the Ramah. Not getting into for now. So the Ibn Ezra says, let's see, there's a hint. Shabbos is called an Osa sign, and Bris is called an Osa sign. The Agon Amar, I don't know who the Gon is. Vilna? No, the only Gon lived way after the Ibn Ezra. When the Ibn Ezra is quoting Hagon, I admit my ignorance to you. I don't know who he's talking about. What's the purpose of a bris? Throughout our history, if someone wanted to identify a Jew, they made him take off their clothing to show whether they're circumcised or not. Today it's fashionable. Non-Jews also have a bris. But throughout the majority of our history, it was not fashionable to have a circumcision. It was something that was for the most part, Jewish. So Jews were identified through their bris. So just as physically a Jew is distinguished by their bris, by their circumcision, so too in time, when you do business, and on Friday, you know, there's certain people in the community, when I call them, their voicemail says, um, if you're calling with a business-related matter, please know I don't return calls from sundown Friday till sundown Saturday. I'll return your call on Saturday night or Sunday. Few people have that message on their machine. So any non-Jew who's calling that machine understands it's an oath, it's a sign. Just like what circumcision is to the body, it reveals that this person is Jewish. So too, Shabbos is to time, it reveals that this person is Jewish, that this person keeps Shabbos. Right? When you keep Shabbos, you are testifying that you believe God created the world in six days, 
And just as he's created in six days, he rests on the seventh, so too we rest on the seventh. So now Ibn Ezra is going to give his interpretation of Vayinafash. What does Vayinafash mean? Vayinafash means God doesn't tire out. God did not rest on the seventh day because he was exhausted. God didn't plop into his lounge chair and say, TGIF. <laughs> right? God doesn't believe in exhaustion. He didn't pass out, thank God it's the weekend, it's Shabbos. He doesn't tire out. He chose Shabbos for the soul. And similarly, we keep Shabbos not because we've tired out, but because we're elevating our soul. That's the Vayina Fash, is that Shabbos is serving the soul, not the body. Lest you think that Shabbos is there to reinvigorate, to replenish the body, mm-hmm. it's there to replenish, to concentrate, and to focus on the soul. So the Ibn Ezra is given a different interpretation on Os. We saw the Rashi's interpretation, the Rashbam's interpretation. Now the Ibn Ezra gives a third interpretation of what the Os, the sign is, when your message on your machine says, ain't going to work on Saturday, like Big Gumba, so then everyone understands this person's Jewish. And when Vayinafash, Ibn Ezra gave a different interpretation, different than the Ramban, the Vayinafash is different than Unklus. Vayinafash means, don't think that the purpose of taking off for Shabbos is to replenish the body, the purpose is to replenish the soul. Okay, that's the Ibn Ezra. Let's keep going. Mechal <coughs> look at Rashi. Pasuk Yedalad. We said that if you don't keep Shabbos, Mechal we use that term. Someone's either a Shomer Shabbos or they are a Mechalal Shabbos. Mechalal we talk about means to desecrate, but it really means something different. The root of the word Mechalaleha of Mechalal is Chol. Rashi says, Instead of making Shabbos sacred, you make it Chol. Our purpose is Lahavdil ben Shabbos Lachol. The reason we can think about Havdalah. Shabbos is about making havdalah. It's about making differences. Shabbos is about creating distinctions. But if you don't keep Shabbos, what you're doing is, you're making Shabbos into chol. You're turning Shabbos into chol. You're taking an opportunity to make something sacred, and you're making it profane and mundane. And that's why the punishment is karis. The job is to elevate it, to make it kodesh, instead of making it chol. That's not desecrating. Correct. It's not desecrating. I don't know what, what does desecrate mean. Does that also mean it's worse? Desecrate's worse. Yeah. Does that also mean that you? So it's not. It's, a, it's an inaccurate translation so to say desecrate. There are Jews that are not observing Shabbos. They're not necessarily desecrating Shabbos. They're just making it mundane. Correct. Correct. Right. Right. Again, the punishment's still harsh. It's kares. But that's because, again, the Jews who are not keeping Shabbos, they're not Mechal Shabbos. The 140,000 Jews in Boca Raton Del Rey who are not Shabbos observant are not Mechal Shabbos. It should be very clear. Why is that? Because to be Mechal Shabbos, you have to know what Shabbos is. Oh, okay. You can't be Mechal Shabbos if you don't know what it is. Okay. Right? You're not making a choice. You're not an educated chooser if you're don't know, you were never informed. It's in my opinion, not in my opinion, I think it's Allah's opinion. It's inaccurate to describe somebody 
who's never somebody who's unaffiliated, who's uneducated, as Mechal Shabbos. They're not a Mechal Shabbos. By the way, which even applies within Halacha. Why we give an Aliyah to them on Shabbos, which is why we count someone in a minion. The Chazanisha's whole attitude was that if somebody lacked the education, the knowledge, they're not empowered to make the choice to keep Shabbos, then they're not held accountable for neglecting Shabbos. Are you saying in this show, you don't give an Aliyah to someone? No, we do. We do. And yet they know. No, no, no. Somebody, even, even many of the people who drive to the shul on Shabbos don't know better. They don't know better. They're in a process. It depends. We would not necessarily give an aliyah to somebody who went to yeshiva all their life, kept Shabbos, and they're thumbing their nose at us and saying, I don't really care about Shabbos anymore, but I want an aliyah to Shabbos. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, Eric Cantor got an aliyah this past Shabbos. I'm talking about somebody who is committed to growing, they're on a path, they're on a journey, but they don't have that formal background and education to know. What? I don't no. know. I should bring names to he them. doesn't have that upbringing. Who gets curries? So, what? Who gets curries? Someone who gets curries is somebody who violates Shabbos b'mezid. Somebody who violates Shabbos intentionally. Somebody who's not making the choice because they lack the education. So again, all this is all this comes back to this word. All this comes back to this Rashi's word, mechalaleha. That Shabbos, our job is to transform Shabbos into kodesh, to make it sacred, to make it holy. Not, God forbid, to do the opposite, which is to bring it down to make it whole. And I just want to add that you can be mechal Shabbos even without violating Shabbos. Because the way you dress on Shabbos, you can make it whole. The kind of conversation you can have on Shabbos makes it whole. Our job is to make it Kodesh. Wear Shabbos clothing. Have clothing distinguished for Shabbos. Sing Zmiros. Have conversation that is uplifting, that is appropriate for Shabbos. Activities that are appropriate for Shabbos. So you could be observing Shabbos and yet be mechalalah, that you're making it whole. You're not supposed to make it whole, not only again, the shamor, the don'ts, but even in terms of the spirit, not to be mechalalah, not to be mechalal, not to make it whole. You have it. From another perspective, yeah. Shabbos is already whole. Shabbos is whole. It's us, up to us to turn the radio on onto that station and tap into that onus what we do from what we say, what we wear, what we think, and how we behave, right. creates that protection as we tap into the holiness of Shabbos. Agree. However, the Pasuk says, we say it in Kiddush, La'asos es ha-Shabbos. So he says, you need to keep safeguard Shabbos, La'asos es ha-Shabbos, solam. Shabbos exists every seventh day, whether you acknowledge it or not. But whether it will be, L'dorosam brisolam, who was the famous person who said, more than the Jews have kept Shabbos, Shabbos have kept the Jews? Chadam. Chadam? Chadam? Okay, I'll go with that. Chadam? I'll go with that. That more than the Jews have kept Shabbos, Shabbos has kept the Jews. That's the La Sosa Sashabbos, the Durosam, Berisolam. Just a few more very quick comments because we're running out of time here. The, uh, the Yorachayim points out, we said Mechalaleha, which is in Lashon Rabbim. Those who violate it in plural, and then most you must is in the singular. That's, we didn't mention that question in our list of questions at the beginning. No, no, we said we did. Okay, mechalaleh is in the plural, and most you must is in the singular. What's going on? Uh, most you must. We said why is it in the why is it double, and what does it mean v'shamru? What does it mean to keep Shabbos? Maybe we'll end with this. 
So look at the Ibn Ezra, Pasuk Tezayim. The Shamru. This is a great Ibn Ezra. The Shamru, the Ibn Ezra says, You know how you safeguard and keep Shabbos? The Ibn Ezra says Vishamru to keep Shabbos means, and maybe this is why Shabbos, Vishamru is mentioned. Well, he's not saying this, but maybe Vishamru is Shabbos, and then later Vishamru B'nai Israel Esa Shabbos. One time Vishamru means keep Shabbos, means don't do Malacha. But the second time is we keep Shabbos not only on Saturday. We keep Shabbos during the week. And there's the Ramban, actually. I'll tell you a phenomenal Ramban. The Ramban of Parshas Yisro. In Perik Chaf. We're not going to look at it inside, but if you want to look at it later. The Ramban on the Aseris Adibros. When it says, Zachor is Yom HaShabbos The Ramban there says, quotes from the Gemara, that you can be Yotze a mitzvah do raisa. You can fulfill a positive commandment of making Kiddush, not on Shabbos. You know when that is? During the week. When on Wednesday you go to the supermarket, kosher marketplace, and you buy and you say, that piece of meat looks great. I'm setting that aside for Shabbos. You have fulfilled the mitzvah of, Z- of Zachar, Siyam HaShabbos, Lekacho. When the way we refer to the days of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, these words are meaningless to us. What are the Jewish view, the Torah way to refer to the days of the week? Yom Arishon, Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi. And what are those numbers referring to? Relative to Shabbos. Our whole attitude towards the week, our whole context of the week, is in itself observing Shabbos. In other words, you observe Shabbos not only on Shabbos, you observe Shabbos during the week. It's quoted in Halacha that when you do a Malacha during the week, let's say you're jelly beans, you love the red ones, so you're taking all the red jelly beans, you're separating the jelly beans, something you couldn't do on Shabbos, that's a violation of sorting, of borer. Three, if you do it miyad and biyad and without a clio, whatever, leave aside the details. But sorting the jelly beans, so if on a Tuesday you're sorting jelly beans because you like the red ones, and you say to yourself or out loud, you say, I'm sorting these jelly beans, I could do it today because it's not Shabbos. You have been mekayim a mitzvah of Zohar Siyama Shabbos Lakacho. You have made Kiddush on a Tuesday. So, Vishamru B'nai Yisrael as a Shabbos, the notion of keeping Shabbos, says the Ibn Ezra, is not just about on Shabbos. You keep Shabbos on Shabbos, and there's a second Vishamru, you keep Shabbos during the week. The Svarno says a different Vishamru, the reason why it's twice. You keep Shabbos Ba'olam Hazeh, in order to gain entry into the day that's all Shabbos, which is Olam Haba. Which is uh, Me'in Olam Haba. Alright, there, uh, there was a lot more to talk about. But we're out of time. Yes. If you don't, if you don't